You are listening to Church at the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchattheoaks.com. Amen and amen. Um, glad we get to get, be together this morning and close the year out together. Uh, it's been an incredible year. This is, you know, awesome is leading us to pray and to think about, you know, what all God has done across uh, our church and each one of our lives this past year. It's, that's a challenge for me. That's, it's, it's a hard thing for me to remember the magnitude of, and it's the timeline. Like, I mean, a year and the you know, days are, days are long and the years are short, right? And so there's the ways where I think about um, where, uh, my family was a year ago, where our church was just, just a year ago. Um, I don't do a good job of going back and remembering, right, uh, this, the, the trajectory of what God's done. Um, then it's, I, I think about coming into a new year and this, like, you know, tomorrow's new year. It's strange now how, like, New Year's Day for all of us, like, football people, New Year's Day is now football day. Um, it didn't used to be like that. A couple of years ago, we didn't care that much about football on New Year's Day. And like, I thought a lot more about resolutions and plans and that kind of stuff. Right now I'm like, no, the year starts on January 2nd because January 1st, I'm going to sit on the couch the entire day. That's how I'm going to start my year. But whenever I get to a new year, I start thinking about resolutions. I don't want to. Um, I'm kind of over resolutions because I never keep them. Uh, but I, I, I just find myself feeling like this is what I'm supposed to do when I start a year. I'm supposed to think of all these goals and all this stuff that I'm going to do and accomplish as a new year starts. And I'm trying not to. Uh, but it's coming. And so this past couple of days, I've been thinking about that. Okay, if I'm not going to have 7,000 goals and I'm going to read 100 books this year and I'm going to, you know, work out and be jacked like Thor or something, I'm not going to do that, right? If it's, uh, what do I really want to see happen in this next year? And I come back to like a lot of times just to the simple truths, some of this stuff, like David said in Psalm 27:4, when he says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, one thing I'll seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I'll gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and just get to inquire in his temple. Like a foundational level, like as a believer, as somebody who's trusted my life to, to Jesus, when I think about what's gonna make the most impact on me, what's gonna make the most impact on my family, on our church, on our city, on the nations, like really it just comes back around to just me knowing and enjoying the Lord and then making known what he's done in my life. It can be that, Simple, And I'm just trying to come back to that. Okay, this is a simple thing. Like, I just want to be in his presence. I just want to draw near the Lord in a new and fresh way. I want to be closer to the Lord next New Year's Eve than I am right now. And if you're a believer in the room, I think that resonates with a lot of us. When we think about who we want to be and how we want to see happen across the course of a year, a lot of times, like, I just, I want to know him more deeply. I want to draw closer to him. Like, the one thing that I really, like, from a soul level, like, I really want to seek after is exactly what David says. Like, I just want to, I just want to be near. I want to dwell in the house, Lord, all the days of my life. Like when David's thinking about that, like the temple's not built yet. There's a tabernacle, but the temple's come in, like the promise has been made that his son's gonna build this forever temple where God's presence was gonna dwell. And he's like, I just wanna be in your presence all the days of my life. I don't wanna ever have to leave your presence. I know that a lot of <clears throat> Sundays, um, being with you guys, I feel like I'm walking in the presence of the Lord, y'all. Like we're gonna sing these songs, we're gonna open the word together and stuff. And then Monday comes, and I know I work at a church or whatever, um, but like Monday is still Monday. And your Monday is your Monday. Like, and then it's like, I wanna dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. 
I just want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, just inquire in his temple. I just want to be with him, to know him deeply and intimately and consistently. Right? How do you do that? How do you how do you get to that point where like you're you're <coughs> dwelling with the Lord consistently? Like it's like almost like you just get to enter into his temple and just stay there all the days of your life. This week in our series, uh, going through the whole story of the Bible, we begin in, the, in Genesis, we're in, and in Revelation, it's going to take us 40 weeks to get across the totality of God's word, right? This week, we're at this point where the temple is completed, where there's been this promise from all the way back in the garden where there was, God was going to restore his presence to his people in this permanent kind of way, and that's, it had the, the covenants leading up to this, but then at the tabernacle. Where was this tent, this temporary structure that would move around with Israel, but Israel's not moving around anymore. They had a king, they've got a place, they've got their, their land, they're, they're, they're permanent, they're planted. And it comes time for them to plant a place for the Lord's presence to dwell. It's like the long-awaited grand opening. I love a grand opening. I don't know if you're a grand opening kind of person, but I love a grand opening. I don't care what it is. Uh, I get excited about it. Like, I don't like putt-putt, but the fact that we have that putt-putt thing coming, like, I'm pumped about putt-putt. I'm going to go play once. It's not going to be good, and I'm not going to be good at it. But I'm going to go to the grand opening because grand openings are awesome. You know, every time I drive by that thing, if you've driven by the Tiger Woods putt-putt thing, it looks incredible. There's a guy pressure washing this morning. It's New Year's Eve. He's pressure washing the putt-putt course, you know. Like, I want to go to that grand opening. Because grand openings are cool. I went to, Jessica and I were in Birmingham, seeing her sister and her family, and we heard there was a grand opening of like a yogurt place. We went. Like, all right, family's cool or whatever, but there's yogurt, you know? And it's not just like normal yogurt, it's grand opening yogurt, and that's better. And we showed up, and there's people like lined up around, not the building, around the parking lot, snaking through. There's like 150 people lined up for, for yogurt in Birmingham, like there's nothing else to do. We love a grand opening. There's, this, there's an anticipation to it, right? Like there's, you know it's coming, you know the, the date's there, it's on the calendar, and so the new thing is going to happen. And there's this, this anticipation that builds in you about something new, something fresh, something big happening. Well, when it comes to the temple and the grand opening of the temple, that's going to that's gonna happen in this, this, this passage this morning in 1 Kings. This has been uh, waited for since the garden. As this anticipation has been building all the way back from the garden. These past few months, we've seen that God's this God of covenants, right? So first with Adam and Eve, where there was this promise that one day he was going to defeat the enemy. He's going to fix what was broken. He made this promise, this covenant with Abraham. He's promising to make him into this great nation through whom all the nations on the earth would be blessed. Later with Moses, he makes this promise through Moses to his people, calling the nation of Israel to follow him with their whole heart. And two weeks ago, we looked at David, where Israel de uh, demanded a king. They wanted a king like everybody else. And first, God gave them a king that they asked for. Then he gave them the king they needed. And David, a man after his own heart. And he renewed this covenant with David once again. And in 2 Samuel 7, he, he made a, gave him a promise to David. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a permanent place where my presence is going to dwell among you. Not that's going to move around and be temporary, but like I'm going to permanently plant my presence in the midst of my people. Like you can come, I'm, my presence will, will be there. That's a huge promise. He promises he's going to give them rest from all their enemies. He promises David that his son is going to build this temple. Promises that he's going to establish a kingdom beginning with David that was going to last for forever. It's a lot of promises. 
As you continue over the story, you start seeing God fulfilling all of these promises. Like David is ruling imperfectly, but he rules well and tries to follow the Lord. David wanted to build this temple, but God like held him back and says, no, no, your son's going to build this, this place, this permanent dwelling place in my presence. So David, um, being a good dad, he, uh, he goes about designing the entire thing and then getting all the materials and his son's like, okay. So Solomon shows up and like, this is a huge deal. This is the fulfillment of all these covenant promises. Everything of like the whole history of Israel feels like it's coming to this crescendo point. Finally and permanently, God's presence is going to be back among his people can't be overstated. As you go through the, the, the account of all of this, we, if you remember, there's a, a sermon we did a few weeks ago on the tabernacle. If you, if you weren't here for that, you can go back and check that out on the podcast. And we talked about how God's presence was, God was working to bring his presence back among his people. And, and each step along the way, it seemed like the best it could possibly be, but it wasn't yet close enough. If you missed that one, if you're on the live stream, you can go back after this and go watch that one too. But like, that's, there's a lot of information that informs the magnitude of this day. But as it comes, the, the day comes and it's time to, to uh, uh, dedicate the temple of the Lord. So in 1 Kings chapter 8, the, the, the grand opening is coming along. And so the chapter opens with Solomon gathering all the people of Israel, all the elders of Israel, guys, everybody together to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the temple. So 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 1, or really beginning in verse 3, it says this, as all the elders of Israel came, The priests took up the ark. They brought the ark of the Lord, the tent of the meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent. I took everything out of the tent, all right? They all brought him up, and verse 5 says, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, and they were sacrificing so many sheep and oxen they couldn't be counted or numbered. So the story goes on. It talks, describes what's in the, it's what's in the Ark of the Covenant. It's just the tablets that Moses got from the Lord. So you get this idea of the presence of the Lord in the Ark, the word of the Lord in the tablets, and then like this power and strength of the Lord all there together in the same moment. Verse 10, it says, the priests came out of the holy place. They put, put the Ark in the temple and a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests couldn't stand to minister because the cloud, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. It's this powerful moment where you see the presence of God, the word of the God, and promises of God all culminating in this moment, in this tangible moment, this visible, physical expression of God showing up among his people. Solomon's in awe. Solomon's watching this. He's done all this work, built this thing. He's done all the the ceremony to consecrate this thing, brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, and like Solomon's standing there just in awe of what God has done. And he begins to speak. And when he speaks, he reminds people of God's faithfulness and love for him. Then he, then he prays. He prays like this in verse uh, 22. It says, Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. And he spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, O Lord, God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven uh, above or on earth beneath, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who will walk before you with all their heart. You've kept with your servant, David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand, you have fulfilled it this day. He looks back on everything that's happened before. All the promises, these covenantal promises that have been coming for generations. And like with this expectation that one day God was going to show up and there was going to be this permanent place, the fulfillment of this promise, this this land that was going to be given, this temple that was going to be built and through whom all nations of the earth would be blessed. And Solomon's standing there seeing the fulfillment of it. He looks back and he just 
worships the Lord for what he has done. As we come to the close of a year, that's what I'm calling us to do, to think back on everything that God has done, like the fulfillment of the gospel in Jesus Christ, coming to earth for us, laying in his life for us, beating the grave for us, and then inviting us into his presence, not temporarily in a temple, but permanently by his spirit. There's a magnitude to that. And sometimes I think when we fail to look back, we fail to worship well, because a lot of times, like, I don't know how you're built, but the way I'm built, I'm always looking ahead. I'm always looking at what's next. I'm always looking two, three, five years down the road. When Austin says, you know, what are you praying for God to do? I got plenty of those. I think about that all the time. But looking back and remembering and letting what God has done inspire my worship, that's more of a challenge. So before Solomon does anything else, Solomon stops and just worships the Lord. This morning, as we come to the close of a year, that's where we have to start. We stop and we just remember what he's done for us, the fullness of the gospel. Not just in this last year, but from salvation history past, that God actually came for us. Broken, sinful, disobedient, half-hearted people like us. He wanted to know you. He didn't, he didn't wait for you to like clean yourself up and perfect all of your stuff. He wanted to know you. He drew near to you. He came here among us and all this mess with us to live the life we couldn't live, offer that life as a sacrifice for us. Where we start before we move into a new year is remembering. I know your past year is probably uh, marked with some challenges as well. Uh, I think all of ours are. Some of you are walking in the middle of those challenges right now. If it's not you, it's people you know. Like you can look around, you can think about the things that are going on with you. That it's, like, it's just hard sometimes. There's something about stopping and remembering the goodness of the Lord over over time, over not just the weeks, not just the years, but over the decades. Like just the the hugeness of who He is and what He is doing that brings us back to a point of thankfulness and worship that we can't get to when we just focus on what's happening right now. Solomon stops, he looks back over God's promises for generations past being fulfilled in this moment, standing there in front of that temple. And he worships. Next, continues to pray. He asks God to fulfill his promises, continue to move. It's phrase like this in verse 25. He says, now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you promised him saying, you shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons will just pay close attention to their way, walk before me as you walk before me. And it says, now therefore, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you've spoken to your servant, David, my father. He now he's looking forward. He's saying, all right, in the days to come, God, would you just continue fulfilling your promises? Would you continue to show yourself to be faithful? Would you continue to do the thing that you've promised to do from the generation's to come, like Solomon starts in this looking back and then he moves to looking ahead. And he's trusting that God's gonna continue to move if uh, his people will continue to be faithful. There's something about us when we get to a new year that is appropriate to look back. And it's also appropriate for us to look ahead and say, God, would you continue to work in us? Would you continue to work in me? Would you continue to move in my family? Would you continue to help me to draw closer to you? Would you use me to impact the nations? God, I don't know what you want to accomplish in this next year, but I know it's huge. God, I want to walk faithfully if you will continue to move. That's what I'm praying for us in the church. Like I, I, when I think about Oaks um, and collectively and each one of us individually, I, I don't think God's done. And I think about where, like, where you are and where I am. Like the, my hope and my expectation is that my walk with Christ is different a year from now than it is right now. 
If I'm in the same spot I am with Jesus, like, and, and I haven't grown any in maturity, any in wisdom, any in knowledge of the Lord, if, I'm not, if I don't know him better a year from now, then I don't know what I've been doing. I don't think he's done with me. I'm, I'll be 39 next month. That's weird. Uh, I'll be 30. I'm like, one more. We're going to have a 40th birthday party. We're going to blow it out. It's going to be great. All of us that are turning 40 that year are going to have a real sad party together. It'll be great. And all of that you're older than us can make fun of us, and that's fine. But it's just still a big deal for me. Okay, so 39 next month. Like, when I hit 40, like, I want to be running hard with, harder with Jesus than I am right now. How do you want to be walking with Jesus a year from now? Then when I think about us collectively as a church, like, I mean, yeah, we've, we've seen God do some incredible things to take us from where we started when we were over in the hotel over there in January of 2021. We're about to hit January of 24 and have our, our third birthday as a church next month, which is cute. Like, isn't that great? Like, I mean, I never, I never been to a church that had a third birthday. My last church, we were, a, we had 165th birthday. That was cool. Right. And there was, I don't know what happened in those 165 years, but a lot of us, like, we know the stories of what has happened in these last three years. Y'all, our church is three years old. We are barely started. We've barely scratched the surface of what God wants to do through a group of people who was committed to raising up disciple makers of Jesus by just being disciple makers of Jesus. We are like on stair step number one. We're barely started. I can't imagine what God wants to do across our church, the group of people who are faithful to the Great Commission over the next five, 10, 50 years. I remember I stand, like, I stand on stage the very first time we met together as a church on our grand opening. And I said, I want us to see us plant a church that's going to outlast us, that's going to be making disciples all over, the, all over the globe, that's going to send disciple makers all over the globe long after all of us are gone. We're just getting started. There's so much that God wants to do in you and among us. So as we stand on the cusp of a new year, as just as Solomon's looking ahead and saying, God, would you be faithful to your promises? Solomon knows God's going to be faithful to his promises. I know he's going to be faithful to us as well. He's promised to never leave us, never forsake us in his power, by his spirit, to use us to be the people who do even greater things than Jesus saw happen. And I think he's just getting started. The passage goes on uh, in verse 27 through 30. It's this interesting little section of the passage where Solomon acknowledges that God can't be contained in the building, Right? Verse 27, it says, but God, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I've built. And this, this point of humility for Solomon, because this is a huge deal. I mean, like Solomon, like has amassed all of this stuff and accomplished the building of this temple. It's this crazy pinnacle moment in, in history. It's the greatest thing any of them could have ever imagined. And he's like, I mean, come on, like he ain't, he can't get me held in this little house, you know? There's this point of humility there where he's like, God is all-knowing, is infinite, pre-existent. Like, it's God. Like, okay, we got a house. That's cool. He, like, it's a, he's saying this is just a symbol. If this, this is not the fullness of who he is. I think there's something for us to be reminded there as a church where, like, we, we know that we're a part of not just one church but the church. God's work that encompasses the whole globe. There's believers gathered all over the globe right now, like together worshiping the Lord, wanting to see him move. We're a small piece. There's one local expression of the body of Christ that's seeking to accomplish the mission of Christ. Sounds like you, this, is, this, is, this is not all there is. 
But there's another point there where he's like, how God is lofty and holy and mysterious. But like in this point, he chose to also be approachable. He chose to have like a, his, his presence, like there in the Holy of Holies, right there in that temple, to place his temple in the middle of his people saying, you can come and draw near to my presence. When you think about God, like just naturally, you know, not like you don't get super theological deep about it. You just like kind of have one of those little thoughts about the Lord. Do you assume that he's approachable? I just like, when you think about him, like, do you think like, yeah, as God likes to hang out. I mean, it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe when you think about prayer and like you get theologically about it, but like, if you think about how big of a deal he is and then how not big of a deal you are, like, do you really think that God is approachable? Do you feel like that? Or does it feel like it's something where you have to kind of work your way to get to enter into his presence? There's some barriers that are still there. The other day I went to a Wayside for breakfast any of y'all show of hands been to Waysider before? Great. Waysider's awesome. If you haven't been to Waysider, it's like this weird house, um, which you have to like drive down some rail, literally drive down some railroad tracks on across the railroad tracks. You drive with the railroad tracks to get into the parking lot of this tiny house. Okay. And then you, you step into this house and it's like the forties in there. Okay. It's great. I hadn't been to Waysider in 25 years. I don't know what happened, but one day the Holy Spirit led me to Waysider, okay? And uh, I got up that morning. I had like a weird slow morning. I had to come like write a sermon and uh, at the office and everybody else is off. And I'm like, I'm going to go get some, I'm going to go get a sausage biscuit at Waysider. So I go to Waysider and I walk in and then I, I get at my little single, you know, lonely person table where you eat breakfast by yourself at a restaurant. That's just kind of weird, like kind of lonely, you know? So I'm sitting there on the side by myself and I look back in the back corner and Jalen Milrow and like three of the football players and a couple of the coaches are sitting back there in the back corner and interest and immediately it's like, this is a more interesting breakfast now, you know? Right. And the whole restaurant's just kind of like frozen and everybody's trying to be cool. You know, everybody's trying to like play, you know, we're, we're, we're normal people. We're not freaking out right now. That's a, that's a college kid. It's not that big of a deal, right? It's fine. Everything's fine. Everybody play cool. But like, I didn't get my coffee for like 20 minutes, but they got about 15 cups of coffee. I mean, it's just, con- every time they took a, took a sip, the waitress is like, you want some more? You hear it, right? I mean, nobody else is getting served. Nothing else has happened because Milro is over in the corner. Got that big old grin on his face. Super cute. Everybody in the restaurant felt like they were holding their breath for the right time to interact, you know? I had this, like, we all like, had the brakes on. Everybody was being, you know, normal about everything. Everybody's being chill. But the minute their meal was over, they stood up and so did half the restaurant, right? Half the restaurant stands up like, it's go time. We're all taking pictures. I'm going to go hug this kid. You know, like, it's just this whole, it's pandemonium in the restaurant. The waitress made us all do, like, the big, like, kickoff roll tide. Like, she led us in this long roll tide. Like, I had to breathe in the middle of the roll part, you know, and, like, I'm like, I'm in a breakfast restaurant cheering, like, this is, this is weird. This is Tuscaloosa only kind of stuff. And so then everybody starts lining up, trying to get pictures. These poor college kids are just trying to leave the building. Uh, People are trying to like block for them and keep, you know, I didn't move because I'm an introvert and I can't handle that kind of thing. Right. And so all these people are standing there getting pictures and more pictures, but you can, and they're smiling, but you can see it in their eyes. Like, man, I just really wanted to eat my breakfast and leave, you know? They were trying to be approachable, but there was something, ah, it's not really that approachable. You ever imagine the Lord being like that? He's like, okay, yeah, these are my people and stuff. But like, do you ever imagine like, like your problems and your things that you're, you're hoping for, you're praying for? Like, God's got a lot going on, you know? Like, I mean, there's probably a lot of prayers going up, you know? Does he really care about you and yours? Is there a limit to this 
approachability? Are there some barriers between you and him? Like, you got some sin stuff going on in your life. I mean, maybe, is he done with you? Is there got some, like, I'm not listening to her anymore. Done this thing time and time again. I'm, I'm out. No, what you see is like God saying, look, I want to be engaged with my people. He like wants to be near his people. He wants to be near to you, even though the fullness of him can't be held in any kind of thing. Like he's saying, like, I want to be with my people. The whole story to this point is God been at work to bring about a way for him to be even imperfectly, even partially among his people so they could draw near. They could come into the temple. They could be in the space with his presence. And then they'd have to leave and go home and go about their business and they'd be separated from his presence. They could come back and they could draw near to his presence again, which for them was the best they could possibly imagine. But for me and you, it's not. For me and you, we start thinking about what it means to draw near to the Lord. We don't have to have this time and this way where we have to leave and whatever. And Monday through Saturday, we're somewhere else. We get to come back to the BCC and finally get to be in the presence of the Lord again. That's not how this works. This is a conference center, all right? Like the presence of the Lord is, yeah, with us as we gather together, but he's also with us as we're sent. Because it's no longer just about a temple that's in one place. It's about the temple that is us, as you. And God's providence and his power, he sent his son to be the full embodiment, like the fullness of the deity of God. It was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus Christ, not partially like in the temple. The fullness of who God was was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life here for us. Again, you could draw near to him. You could be near the person of Jesus, right? But then like if Jesus, you know, left your town or whatever, so did the presence of God. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't permanent, even in the person of Jesus. So Jesus said, hey, it's to your benefit that I would go away. Like Jesus said, like, I'm going to send to the Father. I'm going to send one that will be with you. Not impartial, not in temporary, but permanently. And so it's going to dwell in our hearts. First Peter 2, 4 says this, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like the living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. That's a temple. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christians in the room, if you're a believer, if you trust that Jesus is your Savior, Christians, you are the place where God's presence dwells. Like by his spirit, he's given you his spirit. Like as, as somebody who's trusted in Jesus, you have the spirit of Jesus who has the spirit of the father, right? Like you are that temple. You are the place where the spirit of God dwells permanently. When I think about coming to a new year and I want to draw near to God and I want to walk more closely with God, I want to whatever. I don't have to go to a place. I don't have to like do something, you know, there's no like magic dance or something. Like I just... The spirit of God is with me. The Bible says that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells with me. I just have to open my heart to him. Over and over again in scripture, that's, that's what we see. Is like that's, just, that's what he's asked of us to do, to be people who would just draw near in a way that we're just willing to engage. The beautiful thing about Christianity, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that God has done everything that can be done to draw near to you. All that's left is you deciding if you want to draw near to him. I was reminded this morning, I'm thinking about that, about how I want to walk more closely with the Lord. He can't get any closer to me. 
He's done everything he can to draw near to me. He's moved heaven and earth to, to move even beyond this temple thing, to like send his spirit to be with me. He's done, he's, he's done it all. All that's left is if I want to engage with him. If I want to be one who walks with him with a whole heart, or if me and my self-sufficiency, I mean, I turn my eyes to other things. He can't get any closer to me. All that's left is what I'm going to do about it. It's interesting when you think about Christians being the, the little, little temples, right? It's interesting you think about that, that, that we're, there's, there's this element of us where the Holy Spirit of, of God dwells within us. In 1 Peter, that same passage in verse 9 says this, that, that the reason that that's happened, one of the reasons that's happened is so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As those who have received the Holy Spirit, who have the presence of God, like dwelling within us, who like get to walk with him Monday through Sunday, like every day in, day out, like the presence of God, the spirit of God is in us. It's for a purpose. It's that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The presence of God is with us. Like, so we, we can draw near to him, we can enjoy him, we can rest in him, we can gaze at him all the days of our life. But an element of that is proclaiming it. An element of like just getting to enjoy him is sharing what's been enjoyed. Those of you who got like some incredible Christmas present or whatever, like, like you want to tell somebody what has happened to like, you know, you show up, like my, little, my kids walked in here and their new Crocs, they got Crocs for Christmas. I don't know how we made it this long without having Crocs. I've always thought Crocs were stupid. So somehow they got Crocs this year, you know, and they've been wearing those Crocs. They got little charms on them, little pizza things and whatever. Like they just want, they want you to know about their Crocs. If my kids come up and tell you about their Crocs, act like they're cool. Okay, just pretend rocks are great. You know, like they just want to tell you. That's who I want to be. I want to be somebody who's so enjoying the Lord that I want to tell you about that. Not in a way that's forced or trite or something. I just want to honestly tell you about the magnitude of what he's done for me. You and I are standing at the beginning of a new year. And I just wanted us to be reminded of the gospel. I wanted us to be able to look back on the hugeness of what God has done. And I wanted us to be brought to a place of worship, praise over who he is, what he's done for us, like in fullness, but also just in these last these few months together. I wanted to remind us as a church of just the hugeness of what God has done in these three years that we've been together. But I also wanted us to look forward, look forward to God continuing to move. Not like asking God to draw near to us, but us drawing near to him. What would it look like for you to engage with the one who is engaged with you? Because I'm thinking ahead of this next year. There's some disciplines. There's some habits. There's some practices that I want to engage in to like help me draw near to the one who's drawn near to me. He's moved heaven and earth to get to where he is with me, to send his spirit to be with me. I just got to figure out how I'm going to keep my eyes on him on a day-to-day basis. You know, these next few weeks as, as a church, as we step into this new year, we're going to continue talking about that. As we're moving towards the New Testament, we're going to start seeing more and more practical ways that we can be the people who keep our eyes fixated on the person of Jesus Christ. But at the beginning of this year, I wanted us to be able to look back so that we can run forward. So I want to get to spend a little bit of time together in prayer. Austin's going to come, Lisa, in time of response. And I just want you to respond according to that. Like, I just want you to have some informed space to remember the magnitude of what he's done for you. And then start looking ahead. 
recognizing he's moved heaven and earth to get to this point with you, what are you going to do to engage with him? Let me pray for you. Father, um, I'm so grateful to get to be a part of this church and get to be a part of these people, but I'm far more grateful to get to be a part of this story of you drawing near to your people. I'm far more grateful this could be a recipient of your grace and your mercy. So God, I pray in this time that you would move us to a point of response. God, help us to reflect on what you've done in the gospel, in our families, in our lives. I pray that you move us to a point of worship. But as we think about the year to come, instead of having a bunch of random goals that are disconnected from you and everything else, God, I pray that you would just help us to think through, pray through how we're going to draw near to the one who drew near to us. We love you. It's your son's name. Amen. Why don't you stand and respond with us? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more sermons like this, you can give us a follow at Spotify or Apple Music. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out at churchattheoaks.com. Church, you are sent.